From the backwoods and the swamp waters of the Sunshine State and all across America and the world, this is the Big and Wild Outdoors with your host, Braden Gunn, Jonathan Swindle, and Bill George. Light and lively. That's what we are today. Light and lively, the big and wild outdoors. Bring gun, Bill George. And Diego. Light and lively. Yeah, we're the light squad today. Uh, you know, because Jonathan's out uh, messing around uh, on his anniversary, decided to go shoot pigs. Whoa, 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 whoa. Shooting pigs? Yeah, he's up there in Blountstown. You know, you know that's how you celebrate. Honey, happy anniversary. Let's go kill hogs. So, uh, <laughs> well, one I did take my wife out once on Valentine's Day, and she shot her first hog on Valentine's well, Day. Well, you know, Valentine's is it's a nice romantic gesture when you bring, uh, you know, when you bring pork. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, champagne, candy, flour. <laughs> We've never been those, those people. She'd rather have 100 pounds of pork, so it's all good. But Jonathan's out messing around out in the woods. Uh, Carlos, I don't know. Last I heard, he was somewhere up in uh, Saint Augustine or something. And well, that uh, was last weekend. I, this I don't even know. And, I know. talked to him briefly yesterday. He had put about seventy some hours in last week. Yeah, to catch up. And he was like totally exhausted. Yeah, and then uh, Mike, I don't know where he went today. Is he know. coming in next week? I don't know. When are you leaving again? You, you, you said May one. Who? I'll be out May 1st. May 1st? Yes. May 1st. I don't even know what day, when that is. That's a Saturday. Is that like a month from now? No. What's today? The 10th? It's a couple of weeks 10th? from now. A couple of weeks? A couple of weeks. It's only the 10th. It's more than a couple. be like almost three, right? May 10th? I don't know. Maybe. I don't, three I don't, week, I don't, three I don't, weekends. I don't even know anymore. Where are you supposed to be May 1st? Me? Yes. Oh, I don't know. Fish Hawk, their annual their their annual uh, fundraiser for Trinity Sportsman. I'm sure someone would have told me like a day before that I was supposed to be there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I would have been. I would have showed up. It's all good. But uh, you ask me now, I'm like, I don't know. I know I have plans in June, but that's about it. And then you got the <laughs> Panfish Challenge, and uh, you know that's a pretty easy one to remember. But other than that, hey, it's all a blur. Especially with, uh, you know, with kids and COVID and uh, school shut down, school open, football, soccer, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know what day it is. What? I just do my laundry and, you know, just muddle through life. It's that simple. Just keep it simple, man. Well, I haven't slowed down. I got home last night at probably 11. I hit, I hit my bed at 11.47. I finally got home. That's about what time I went to bed. It was it was a good evening. Last night, we sat around camp, enjoyed ourselves, cooked a fresh batch of brownies in the oven, and uh, had to send somebody out for ice cream so that we could have hot brownies and ice cream for <laughs> dessert. It just sounds so weird. <laughs> it just sounds so weird that, you know, hey, we're out here at uh, hunt camp and Making brownies and had to send somebody out to get ice cream. Well, I mean, usually when you hear hunt camp stories, it's like 
Somebody ran out of Copenhagen, had to run up to the store. And while you're going, get a case of beer. Uh, while you're up there, uh, see if they've got a tire uh, patching tool or something. I mean, you know, normal. Normal hunt, hunt camp, camp stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, brownies this, and ice cream. It just sounds it's just, this, it's too weird. This is not your normal hunt camp. Apparently not. <laughs> I mean. You know, it's like, uh, uh, you know. Hey, did anybody bring uh, cotton candy this year? We need a cotton candy machine out here at Hunt Camp. It might happen. <laughs> <laughs> you ne- you never know. I, you never know what you're going to run into at that camp. I swear. Uh, your, your Hunt Camp is like, uh, these days, is like Washington, D.C. You never know what's going to come out of there, and you never know what's going to go in there. Have, have, have you ever heard of the ghost blinds? Yeah. Yeah, ghost blinds. Yeah, ghost blinds. Yeah, do you have yeah. one? I do. I do. I have one now. Well, yes. Did you just find it out in the woods somewhere in no, your uh, travels? No. The guy that owns the company came to hunt, and he turned around and he left left one for us. So left it on purpose, or yes, he forgot no, no, it there and he just intentionally. He Are left you? a ghost blind, a chair, and then there's a uh, a absolutely phenomenal seat cushion that has like a gel in it oh my gosh you, you would never feel a root through this thing oh really oh my no yeah but the root is what you keeps you awake a, you could sit on a palmetto absolute palmetto stock and probably not feel it yeah but that's that's part of turkey hunting i mean oh, that, I that, that that thing sticking jabbing you in the lower back or in your boot talks is what keeps you awake it's what keeps you alert because you're sitting there and writhing in pain and ignoring it and then trying to ignore it and trying to pay attention at the same time. That That's the whole purpose for the pine cone under your butt. Uh, not me. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how a quarter-inch stick just makes it feel like a log. After a while, yeah, it does. It's uh, You will find every single pebble and root and... Uh, leftover acorn or whatever it is that was left on the ground, especially yeah. if you're sitting straight down. Well, yeah. I really appreciate Mike coming in last week, uh, covering my spot. You know, I was able to actually, uh, actually go out and hunt a little bit. Yeah, that's and, what makes and it enjoy nice. Enjoy myself. Yeah, well, you know, um, that way you get to go out and you don't have to worry about making brownies when you get back. Oh no, we we turn around as soon as we hit midday. Back into camp life again and enjoying it, you know. Yeah. I have spent more to, more hours in camp during the daylight than I have in the turkey woods. So, what's the uh, grand total so far? I don't even know. My my buddy who's doing the guiding, they have he's had fifteen osseolas harvested, one miss, and one gentleman passed. Because what he was looking for, he didn't see. So, what do you got? And like then, two turkeys already that, so far? That's, and then we have a whole bunch. But it's it's been a very tough year. Uh, one of one of our friends that were down earlier in the season, he he was on some birds, but couldn't do anything with them. Um, he he's coming back to try and get that orange monkey off of his vest (laughs) well uh you know uh my buddy jeremy jeremy boggs over there at g5 you know he was 
He's gonna, I think he's going to come in next week and hang out with us and tell us, uh, regale us of his first time ever. He was one of those. He's one of those people that you meet uh, at the uh, turkey seminar. We were there, and uh, once he gets around you guys and Scott and and Sullivan and everybody, it's all there. You know, they get him all hyped up, and he went over and you know spent a bunch of money on calls, and then spent the next two or three weeks gagging and trying to learn how to use a mouth call and. Gave that up and went to uh, uh, went to a pot call for a while and then went out on his first adventure and uh, uh, actually had a great time. And then he's now one of those guys that's going to be just addicted for life. Uh, uh, I know. Let it, me tell you, if he if he swings by our camp, he'll he'll enjoy turkey hunting. But it, it camp is. Camp is a wonderful place. I guess brownies and ice cream at you, the end of the evening. Sure, you, why not? You've never even bothered to come out and see it. I'm not a I'm not a big turkey guy like you guys are. It doesn't matter. Yeah, turkey. You, yeah, you, you're one who likes to talk. Yeah, but I don't like to sit out there and watch grown men, you know, eat brownies and ice cream. I'm just okay. it's just not me. Come well, and tell you like the the deep fryers there. If you want to do chicken wings and <laughs> maybe you could do deep fryer brownies and ice cream. Well, we could. Why don't you try that one near? See how you get. See maybe you could get some uh, newbies out there for that. Who's up for deep fried brownies and ice cream after the hunt? You may be on to something. Well, there you go. They tried it at the fair for many, many years, and it seems to work out well for them. Be like a Klondike bar. Then next week, you know, next time you do the Snickers, and then you, you know, the other things, and. What was the name of that restaurant that used to have the deep fried ice cream balls? It's a Mexican mm. restaurant. Was it Chi Chi's? Was that it? I don't Chi Chi's? Diego, do you know? Do you remember? Oh, you were an old Diego. You know, he's not alive, probably. Yeah, he was. Well, how's it? Diapers, man. Shut up. Uh, was it Chi Chi's? I'm about to look it up now. It's going to drive me insane. All right, we're going to take a break. This is the Big and Wild Outdoors. Braden and uh, Bill George. And uh, you, if you'd like to call in, give us the answer. 888-404-1010 is 888-404-1010. We're going to take a fast one brought to you by our good friends at Brandon Ford. We'll be back. Outdoors. It's going to be a beautiful day in the neighborhoods for a little while. Looks like our Big and Wild Fast Cast tells us that it's going to be around uh, uh, 80-ish or so today uh, here along the West Coast. But what my little of the warmer day did you think was going to be beautiful? It's going to be a nice day. It'll be a little cloud cover. It'll be uh, kind of cool. You know, it won't be so blazing hot just yet. Humidity's not going to be up yet. Do you, you know, see those trees swaying? So what? I like the wind. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I like the wind, and uh, there's only like a 20% uh, or something like that chance for rain today, 2025, somewhere around there. But tomorrow, it's supposed to be the uh, the good soaker. Apparently, there's a front or something pushing out through here, like 80% chance is what they're saying for tomorrow. So. Well, I will tell you, out there in the swamp, I don't think we've had but one day 
that had a dusting of rain. One day since the beginning of the turkey season. Oh, I know. It's been really dry. I mean, this is that time of year. And, of course, you know, the Forest Service is out there talking about, you know, everything's dry. Don't be out there lighting no fires. Get out of hand. I think they were fighting one yesterday out around Lake Wales or something. I could see the smoke on I-4, man, coming across the bridge. Well, I can tell you right now with the water level dropping, alligators continue to be on the move in the woods. Oh, yeah. Searching for those waters. If anybody... Wants to see alligators right now. They can go out to Green Swamp, take a nice little walk down to Orange Lake. There's a nice little sign. There's a little road that goes back there, and they are stacked up in Orange Lake right now. So not a good place to take Fluffy for a walk. No, I wouldn't. Well, I you take her for a walk back there, but don't let her go back. swimming. <laughs> May not make it back. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> there was some uh, somebody posted on social media, speaking of alligators, um, they got like a 12, 11 footer or something like that. And they would pulled out what four dog tags uh, out of it from collars. One of them was still uh, legible where they actually called the owner and the guy said, yeah, that, that dog was missing about maybe, uh, four or five months ago. Well, I got a question for you. How, how'd they get it off the leash that they're required to be on? Hunting dogs running out there in the woods. I don't <laughs> Where are they all hunting dogs? Yeah, yeah, they were all. You know the you know the metal piece they yeah. put on the collar. You know, yeah, that was still left in the gator's stomach. The guy said, you know, we don't normally look at the uh, uh, internals in there. They found, I think, four dog uh, identification tags, one bullet that somebody had uh, cracked off at it or somewhere. Of course, it healed itself, and. Uh, Numerous bobcat claws that were still undigested. Hmm. So this sucker man was sitting around there, had a pretty good little honey hole. Well, there, <laughs> that is one of the reasons why an alligator, one of the things an alligator will do is they will they will turn around and create their own environment where they dig out and, and make a, a, a depression out there. A little wall so up. when the water level goes down, they have the water. And then all the animals come to the water, and it's that's their eating time. Yeah, man. It's a little trap out there in the middle of nowhere. It's like those ant lions. You know, they dig over there and make a little hole where uh, everything comes in, falls in there, and then there you go. You're all good. Lunch is served. Boom. So uh, speaking of gators, uh, we're dangerously low on treble hooks, by the way. Well, I haven't seen... An order coming. Well, in. you know, I'm just I'm I'm letting you know face to face. Well, I, I will turn letting around. You know. I'll I'll reach out to uh, Dylan and and I I don't know why they're flying off the shelf. I don't know if people are using them to snatch up uh, lionfish or something off the bottom. I have no I have no idea. Hey, uh, th- whatever the reason, I I have learned it is amazing when you start asking people what they use stuff for the variety of stuff. And, and the scariest thing to me so far has been the guy who is buying treble hooks, weighted treble hooks, to try and get a pelican that was snagged. He, he had flown into a stob on a tree, and so the, there was a rotting pelican up a pine tree that had had flown into the stob and was sitting there and stinking. So they were going to throw a hook up there, try and snag it, and pull it back. 
and I'm like, you know, that's not a very good idea. Get it out, but the tree. that's five dollars. <laughs> I I gave you your warning. Just let that sucker rot, man. He'll fall sooner or later. It'll all be good. Oh you got you got to worry Could about you that imagine? kind of stuff. Could you imagine tightening up? Let's say you did manage to hook the pelican. Could you imagine the force it would take to pull that pelican off of there and all that line being stretched tight, and then all of a sudden, you now have a hook and a pelican flying at you? Yeah, no. that would be good. Uh, a stinky, nasty, rotten corpse uh, running at you. Uh, I don't. I don't think I would go for that. Doesn't sound like something uh, I would want to encounter. I I was hunting in Missouri one time, sitting there walking through the woods, and I saw something fluttering up in a tree. And I'm looking up there, and I'm like, "What in the world is that?" And I went up, got closer to it, pulled out my binoculars, and it was a turkey that had got wrapped up in something or something and got caught up in the top of this tree, and was hanging there upside down. He did as a doornail. Wow. He'd been there for a while. But my last thought in the world was, hey, you know, I think I'll go buy one of Bill George's snatch hooks and go put it on a piece of rope and throw it up there and see if I can't pull him out of there. This last year Just during bear season, they found one a turkey as they were doing drives up in Pennsylvania. They found a turkey that had been evidently flying down and got its head caught in a Y of a tree <laughs> and was sitting there hung. Just in a little branch, you know, why? It happens every day. I can't imagine that happening every day, but it evidently happens enough. I'm sure it happens a lot. Uh, you know, we don't get to see everything that happens in nature, and I I always, you know, these people, they on social media, especially when they share something that's uh, potentially or unbelievably brutal that you see on social media, and uh, these the, the people that... Don't live in our world, you know, about life and death and everything else like that. When they see something like that, it's a very big shock to them that nature is so cruel and merciless and all this other stuff. And, uh, you know, I've taught my kids from day one. I'm like, you don't know how lucky you are. <laughs> you really do not lo- know how lucky you are. Think about the lowly little mullet. mullet. From, the, from the moment it's born till the day it dies. Something is trying to eat it. That's the same way with the turkey. Same thing with the turkey. Same thing with, until you get to a certain size, you know, your chances lessen. But for the for the vast majority of your life, it's literally uh, any day it could be over. You know, you're like two years in, you're getting to be a Jake. You're just starting to get a little bit of a beard. And you're thinking you're all that, hanging out with some big Tom. And then some bobcat jumps out of the bushes on you and it's over. Boom. Coyote runs you down, it's over. Red-tailed hawk jumps on your back, it's pretty much over. <laughs> you know, it's like, man, I was almost there. Almost there! Or, I'm going to go fly over here and see what these girls are doing, and I get my head caught in the uh, crook of a tree, and <laughs> it's over. Oh. <clears throat> I don't know. I found some miserable things in the woods, and I know that, I don't know, if did you see the post I put on our Facebook page about the uh, the shed that was growing into that tree? I mean, I how did long, see that a while back. I wonder, literally, I asked the question. I was like, how long would that actually take? That's got to be 10, 15 years at the minimum. Well, the thing is, did it, did it grow on the ground and get brought up with the tree, or did some hunter find the shed and set it in a tree? Because a lot of times... In the crook of a tree, and yeah. then it just grew around it? 
Yeah, if yeah. I if I find uh, one of those old turpentine clay pots, a lot of times I'll pick it up and I'll put it on a cypress knee or I'll put it somewhere where it could be, uh, you know. Somebody else can find it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're just and, being a nice guy. And so I, I do that periodically, but... Uh, I haven't found many of those lately, man. I think most of them have been found. Depends on where you go. Depends on where you go. There's a very, uh, there used to be a large untapped market down in uh, Manatee County where they were found all the time. Where they used to harvest pine trees and all that stuff down there. There used sure. to be a little town there. It's not there anymore, but um, it was uh, it was a... Well, I'll tell you cornucopia of those things you talk about that must have been a pretty hard life back then making turpentine well come on man the guy that had to go you know what pine sap is like yes it's uh okay it's it's fun to play with picture (laughs) picture you being the one not having to go tap the tree but to go collect sap out of a pine pot and put that sap in another pot just to haul it out of the woods. When these things, there's no roads going to these pine trees. No. And there, uh, I think it was all done by foot. Yeah. Uh, or a mule or something, uh, you know, dragging something but behind. how do you get all the pine sap out of a pot? Carefully. You can't get it off your car. You can't get it. <laughs> Once that stuff hardens, man, it's pretty tough. I remember all the bull riders when I was a kid. You know, they'd have those little rosin things. They'd use pine tar, put it in mm-hmm. their gloves, you know, and so they'd hold on better and all that kind of good stuff. Once you get that crap on your clothes, man, it don't come off. Lean up against a pine tree and you go to pull away and you hear. Yeah. It's like getting off a leather couch with no shirt on. I sat on. I sat on. <laughs> A pile of it one time where branch <laughs> had been dripping once. And those pants permanently stuck to everything. I guess I mean, the only thing you could do is like uh, put it in the sun till it like bakes it hard and then like crack it off of there or something. I don't it, know. It I, was weaved deep in that fabric. I don't know anybody who's invented a product uh, quite yet that actually uh, removes pine tar, unless it's turpentine. Turpentine will take off pine tar. And that's amazing. Pine well, it's tar. Made, it's made from the same stuff. Product. Yeah, it's made from the same stuff. Yeah. It's made from the same stuff. You didn't know that? Yeah, I know it. Well, we do have a lot to talk about today that's probably not going to be too joyous. Uh, stuff that came out of uh, Washington this past week. And, of course, we've lost two greats this past week with, uh, you know, Prince uh, Philip dead. DMX died. I didn't even hear any of that. Well, I've you've been, been in the I've woods. Been, I've been running hard, man. You don't know nothing, man. You've been out in the woods all week or whatever, I, two weeks, three weeks. I run, I run from the woods to work, work to the woods. Man, what a life. What a life. What a life, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, What a life. You just go, well, I got to go. Where are you going? Out in the woods. Yeah, it's one of those Showing times. up for tomorrow? It's yeah. one of those times a year where I literally can fill up a, the gas tank on the truck. Every day, some days. That's not good. Not with gas prices the way they are right now. (laughs) That's an expensive day to be messing around. Mm. What? I'll have to tell you later. About what? I kind of dinged up my truck. Uh, I saw it had a nice little coat of dirt on it. Uh, Looks nice. I, I, I turned it. Well, the dirt didn't protect me from what I did. Did you flip it? No. 
Well, then it's not no good. Okay. All right, we're going to take a break. It is the Bigger Wild Outdoors. Braden and Bill George. Diego hanging out in there, doing nothing. Waiting on your phone call if you want to call. 888-404-1010, triple 404-1010. We're going to be right back, you guys. Hang on, hang on, hang on. There you go. That's for you, Bill George. Yep. Do you not know who DMX is? I I really did not know who DMX was Come by on, the man. name. I mean, I'm sure they probably have something. What 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 year were they from? What uh, were from they the made? I mean, this is the, this is like the classic, like the most classic song he has. Like, if you knew this song, then you technically knew DMX. Yeah. And he, you know, he was in a couple of movies. You know, he was an actor as well he as was on a Fast and the Furious a singer. Oh wait, no, yeah. I'm, that's Ja Rule. I'm, I'm mistaken. Oh. It was Ja Rule. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely don't know who I, that is. I, I did, I did, <laughs> yeah, you don't know who that is. I don't even think I've seen one Fast and Furious all the way through. I've seen parts of them here and there, but you know, you missed out on the whole franchise. What's wrong with you, man? I did. I God. did. God, man. I bet you there was a hunting season. Or something uh, was yeah, in, yeah. I, I bet you something was in season yeah. when they came but out. But you don't even see hunting movies. You ever seen Escanaba in the moonlight? No. See? Yeah, you don't see it. How, about, the, how about the deer hunter? No. <laughs> I haven't seen so, that one? I am so... The hunted? I don't think so. Oh, gosh. You know, it's just, you know, he spends too much time at work and in the woods, I guess. It's just one of those things. That's good for you, though. That's good. You know, that means you're not sitting there, uh, you know, couch potatoing it and all that kind of good stuff. You know, in your downtime. Uh, <laughs> my downtime in the last few weeks has been walking the house and probably be asleep within 15 minutes of walking in the door. You can do that here. I you can't. Know, I can't. I can't. There's, there's been times where we look over and go, Bill, 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 Bill George, Bill, huh? Gotta well, get some more tea. It, Hang on. It's funny because you turn around and you know, even like now it's turkey season, but I, going to work and then not too long ago, not last weekend or last week, but the week before, I I went and attended some of the FWC, uh, you know, meetings that they were holding with uh, that closed little group. Yeah, that, those those are pretty much null and void these days, don't you think? Uh, now no. that we have a disaster uh, on the other side another of the pond. Another looming disaster. Another looming disaster that well, uh, they're all screaming that, you know, it's going to cause, uh, you know, hordes and hordes of red tide all over the place if we get the, uh, you know, west wind, of, warm of water. Epic and proportions. Yeah. It, which may happen. It, yeah, it you know really what? may. But we don't, we shouldn't, let, let's say... To all those people that claim that, and this is what I'm for. If we shut something down via executive order, it should be no targeting of that species. No people sitting there and say, okay, snook are in trouble. Let's just go catch and release them. No, if snook are in trouble and you're going to do a change via executive order, no targeting of that species. And, 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 I tell you, we would get out of these closures much quicker. We should have been out of this. We Well, one, we maybe should have never gotten in the closure, but we definitely should have been out of the closure over a year ago. 
year and a half, two years ago. Well, now, when you say that, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people, sometimes you catch a snook every once in a while, sometimes you catch a red, but what I think what you're saying is that when you specifically go out to target that species. Oh, yeah. If yeah. you turn around and you get somebody and you get on their boat and you say, hey, I want to go catch some snook, the guy shouldn't say, well, I know where there's hundreds of them. Let's go over there and catch snook for today and catch 50 to 100 snook and you're casting to them that are lined up like, you know. Cordwood? Yeah. Yeah. So if you're saying if it's a closure, it should be a closure. It should be a closure. <laughs> but only if it's due to executive order. Now, when you come into spawning season and we have our normal ebbs and flows, hey, it, it's it's the spawning season for snook and we're going to close it, so be it. Yeah, but know, if I, it closed and it wasn't through the rulemaking process where people the, – the key thing is this. When it goes via executive order, the FWC can make rules in that, but they're required to have let the people have due process. And the due process comes with putting something out in draft rule form, allowing public comment, it go to the commission to be voted on, turn around, more comments – come back in final, and the commissioners voted on the final. That's how rules get made and laws get changed in the state of Florida. When you eliminate the people's right to comment and work through that rulemaking process, you have eliminated their right to due process. And in FWC's rulemaking authority, it says you must give the people due process. And we're going to we're going to have three effective years of snook closure, without any due process in the rulemaking. Because someone, uh, you know, in the uh, governor's mansion said, uh, no, we're, we're just going to do it, or what? Well, well, I mean, well, then who makes the blanket statement that says we're just going to go ahead and close everything? There's only one executive or, or person who does executive orders, and that's uh, unfortunately, um, it's it's the head of FWC, but. I will say they have had the backing of the commissioners in doing so, but it's still, you know, you're eliminating the right, people's right to due process. I think that's, that's why bad. a lot of, I think that's why a lot of people were uh, upset about some of the things that they were doing where uh, it was kind of like backdoor meetings and oh, things like that until they got, until they got called out on it. And then all of a sudden all these public meetings started happening and, we started getting more alerts and emails and, uh, you know, little text messages and all that kind of gets, if if you've registered for those newsletters, well, uh, which you can't do on myfwc.com. But <clears throat> then they're all of a sudden doing the, oh, hey, you know, we're doing the webinar. You can send in your comments early. You can, uh, if you can't make it to the meeting, you can send them in via this email address or, you know, text or comment or do whatever, which I, I'm glad they're doing it. I'm just... What made well, me mad is we had to get to a point to where you had to call them out before they would jump into that arena and go, well, maybe we should listen to these people. Yeah, because what they were doing was not right. And, I, I and, understand that. And they realized that. And I was at the last commission meeting where it was uh, telephone call in, I was extremely pleased with the amount of recreational fishermen who turned around and, and took the time to call in. I, w I was extremely pleased because that is a group that is very underrepresented uh, underrepresented in, in these meetings, okay? 
the next meeting where they're actually going to turn around and look at, hey, do we want to manage things differently via executive order until we can come back and make more rule changes? Um, there is going to be held in person in Miami. So anybody who's tied to this subject matter, it, it, it's they're not going to drive down to Miami to go to a meeting. I never could understand that. Why, why would they do it down there when the people who want to scream and holler about it live right here? No, it, it, I've been doing this for a long time. I will say there's a couple times in my, you know, since 2013 where I, I believe they picked the venue for the subject. But what it is is these these meeting places are somewhat kind of set, and where it lands in the cycle, you know, determines where it is. So there, it's not always away from everything. But if it, it had to do with with the area that you're talking about, why wouldn't you do it in the area that you're talking because about? Because it's only one of you know. 30 topics they're going to talk I about. I understand that, but the one that seems to be uh, most topical, at least uh, that we care about, they did it with Goliath Grouper. They came over here on the West Coast and uh, had a lot of people show up and do that kind well, of thing. Are, but- those are small meetings, and they did, and I, I, I really commend uh, the executive director got out, and they did have these small meetings that you you had been tipped off to and I had and I was aware of. Um you know, but the problem with those small meetings is this: they were all arranged, and you saw the list. the The people were invited by certain other people. Yeah, and, you had to know someone to know someone. And in and 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 the executive director showed up to those meetings, as well as Commissioner Soul from the one of the commissioners showed up to most of those meetings. He had something come up for one of them, but. He took the time to go out there and do that, and so I was really pleased with that. But you had some meetings that you had a very diverse group of, obviously, these were recreational anglers of of a diverse group, okay? And then you get down to one or two of those meetings, and it was very weighted towards certain groups or group types. Your average angler that, that walked off a beach wasn't represented at all you had a you had one down south in the charlotte harbor area where everybody was all basically from the same group yeah you know well, yeah that because they made the effort to keep it closed well down around that area they probably do need to keep it closed because it was impacted a little um, a little more roughly during the red tide two years ago negative than, ghost rider than uh tampa bay so well, uh you know that's they're what they're better you. than they were before the closure, Sarasota Bay. What about Sarasota Bay, Bill They're George? Still better than where they were before the closure. Okay, all of them. Here we go. We're gonna take a break. Big wild outdoors. There you go. If you disagree, 888-404-1010, 888-404-1010. Go for it.
Welcome back, everybody. Big and Wild Outdoors. Brandon Gunn, Bill George in the studio, live and in person right here in the Beasley Broadcasting Empire. Jonathan's up in Bluntstown, Killing Peaks. He's got some uh, clients that came in to want to do some hunting, so he uh, uh, took his lovely wife, Lori, up there uh, for their anniversary. He's having to work a little bit. And then uh, brought the kids up with him and all that kind of good stuff, and everybody else is out messing around. So uh, Bill George took a little time from his turkey camp to come in and hang out this morning with us. Uh, it's going to be a beautiful day, about 25% chance for uh, rain, all that kind of good stuff. But uh, tomorrow, look for around 80%er, and uh, if you're going to go out and do uh, any kind of turkey hunting, all that kind of good stuff, turkey's still moving the rain. Just get ready to get wet and uh, try to find a little open spot. And if you find a little open spot, then uh, chances are if a little beam of sunlight comes through there, they'll be moseying over there. Well, that's that's one of the things I've found over the years is they, they tend to like walking roads and trails. Yeah, when it's raining. When, when it's raining. Yeah, they like to get where they can... Uh, because uh, every little bit of wind and noise, you know, it kind of freaks them out. Uh, and so anyway, but we'll talk a little more about that later. Uh, we were talking before the break about uh, some of the meetings that are going on. I know that well, with the news out there, it's easy to get distracted and it's easy to get distracted when uh, you have a, a phosphate plant across uh, Tampa Bay uh, dumping thousands and thousands of gallons of uh, millions. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to say per minute into the bay. Uh, nitrogen levels, you know, are probably going to go up. Let's just assume that that's going to happen. And a lot of people are speculating that once that mixes with the water, although the temperatures you know are cool enough now. We should be turning around and being given blanket orders to go get all the fish before they all die. Is that what it is? Oh, yeah. yeah. Open go. everything up. Let us go catch those fish before I they know, die. I know a lot of people were touting that on social media. They were like going... Well, this may be the last opportunity for five more years before we get a chance to eat another snook. So open it up. At least give us a chance before, you know, they start floating belly up. But uh, I don't think, I mean, I still get the red tide reports every uh, week, you know, from the FWC. They still put them out there. And uh, right now it's not too much to worry about with the water being as cool as it is. Uh, of course, they always well, freak out once it gets uh, around 80, you know, starts getting a little close to 80-ish, 80. And then uh, if we get the westerly winds and uh, what was the Colorado speculation for hurricanes this year? Four majors and uh, like 19 well, named maybe storms. Maybe what we you know? need is a good good hurricane just to come up in that bay, flush it flush all it out. Flush it all out. Yeah. Flush it out. Well, I'm, I've always been a big advocate of that. I have no problems with that. Well, And it also seems to help the uh, the newly arrived population to go back to where it came from. Well, I don't want to live through this again, Earl. Let's move well, back to where. But when we were, before the break, we were talking about, um, you know, the decisions that are being made and are being tossed around. I know, as I said, it's hard, it's easy to get distracted and forget that this is still going on behind the scenes. I mean, just because there's a spill at Piney Point doesn't mean that the FWC is not still looking at opening up Tampa Bay or keeping it closed. And they still had some meetings all the way up until, what was the last one? Well, uh, just, just the other, yes, it, it just happened. The Tuesday? last workshop just happened. The, the public workshops just finished. But there's there's, if you go to the... My FWC, and you go to saltwater fishing. There is a place where you can get in there and still make comments uh, via their their online um, 
form that they have to to put comments in. I would I would urge you if you're going to make a comment to make a a cohesive, uh, cognizant uh, decision before you write it down. I mean, I've seen some of them where these people are just making asinine statements on there, and it's really it doesn't help us in any way to be uh, you know smart. I mean, you really. Well. You need to have to. You need to tell them how you feel about this. Put it in as many words or as little words as you. Have. I mean, it can be as simple as, "I, I want to eat a snook." Open it up. Well, all right. I, 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 I enjoy redfish. I want to take two of them home. Uh, wh- whatever it is. Well, if if you can't keep anything, do you even need a fishing license? Exactly. And do I, I need a license to snook throw stamp. an artificial lure? And drag it through the water. If I promise you that if I inadvertently snag anything, that I would turn around and let it and, loose. And let it loose. Yeah. Okay? And I'm not telling people not to go fishing, but at some point, if you look at the, how many thousands and thousands of snook stamps were purchased when you had no ability to keep a snook, okay? It, it's crazy. And now one of the things they're talking about is... You know, everybody's out calling for restrictions of some sort. The, the the people who really want fishing closed all the time are buying at anything they can turn around and, and put any type of restriction on you to make you not be able to keep any fish. And so one of the things that they're really looking at is on trout and redfish. Yeah, but see, I... Not you, trout and redfish. Snook and redfish yeah. is going to a one-per-vessel limit well the, you know i see captains i see guys who uh used to have fishing shows that are like oh you can open up trout and redfish but uh you got to keep redfish closed i mean That's trout true. and snook you got you can open up trout and snook but keep redfish closed and then you got other people that go we have a thousand reds over here but i'm catching no trout so open up the, the redfish and the snook but don't touch the trout it, it's like we talked about it last week fish move especially redfish I mean, they don't just camp out in one area of the mangroves. They move all over the place in big pods, and, and that's what they do. <laughs> and and so the, just because they weren't there, it's like hogs. Just because they were there last Thursday doesn't mean they're going to be there the, this Saturday. You mean and, they don't have anchored? They're no, not anchored? They're there? not anchored, no. But, but the, the one fish per vessel thing I've heard many, many times, and, of course, the, the big reason is like, well, with COVID – there's like tens of thousands of more people on the waters every single day fishing for these fish. And I'm like, not that I'm seeing. Uh, you know, you got guys that come in and they talk to me about it. They're like, man, I don't even go over to Wheaton Island anymore. There's like, you know, everybody's over there. They're mobbing all over the place. There's a million guys there and they didn't used to be there. And I go, well, think about it when I was a kid. When I was a kid, there literally was one person there fishing. And that was me or Gino, or Tom, or Mike, or Pete, and that was it. So if you want to talk about what it used to be like, we can go far back. I mean, well, but- well the, the interesting part was listening to one of the people who came to one of the meetings was, was a prosecutor or had been a prosecutor, and they were talking about the complexities and how FWC makes rules that are so complicated it's hard to get a judge or prosecutor to prosecute it because it's so convoluted. Here I am saying, okay, I have a one one fish per vessel limit. Who's so me, you, Jonathan? Are, me, you, and Jonathan are out fishing. 
So we have to make a decision amongst ourselves who gets to keep the fish? Yes, and if you keep a fish and he keeps a fish and there's another guy driving the boat that kept no fish, who gets the ticket? Okay, who gets the ticket? Is it the person driving the boat that gets a ticket who caught no fish whatsoever because it's his vessel? Or do we make people accountable for their actions? For their own actions. Okay? It's so easy when you go in front of a judge and you say, Braden Gunn caught two snook. The limit is one. Okay? Versus that boat had two snook on it, and there was three fishermen, and they all were licensed to keep a snook, but somebody kept one that shouldn't have been caught, and we don't know who caught the first one and who <laughs> caught the second one, but somebody caught more than they should have. And But nobody's claiming the fish. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, it's kind of like when you're uh, driving a car. I mean, do you go after the captain? Because if, if you're driving your car and you get pulled over and uh, uh, they find a crack pipe under your seat, they look at it and go, well, it's your car. It's it's under your seat, and you go, but I don't smoke crack. Uh, my daughter's boyfriend or something borrowed the car the other day. Doesn't matter. Are You're you, in charge of the vehicle. This you is your vehicle. Telling? No, I'm just saying that. <laughs> I'm just saying that if you, if you watch cops long enough, yeah, it's your it's your car. You're responsible for it. So if you're a captain and you got more than one person that keeps a snook or whatever, then why wouldn't they just go after the captain instead of the people who they should be responsible? He didn't catch for? a snook. But it's his vessel. That's He's where, in charge of it. That's He's the one where who's, the license in, in trying to get people prosecuted, uh, what's going to end up happening is if you convolute it so hard, we we can't hardly get people to prosecute the rules that we have because they're so complicated. Yeah. I mean, that comes when it comes to fines, unless, of course, there's a year-long investigation and there's flying squirrels involved or, uh, you know, gopher turtles or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, then it's, you know, it's to bring the hammer. So, But uh, now I, if you got three guys on a boat and it's a one fish limit, my my take is if I go and I go to a captain, anybody, or just you and I and whatever, and uh, especially if it's a pay, if I'm paying somebody and we all go in halves or quarters or whatever it is to well, pay for the day, who, I'm looking at Bill well, George going, why are you getting to keep well, the snook? Well, well, ah, I got kids to feed too, bro. Let's look at it this way. You go, you know there's some islands out here that people go and they wave fish around the islands, right? Yes, yeah. You go out there, Gino goes out there, your son goes out there, you take a boat out, and you go out there, and you anchor the boat up, and you go wade fish. And all of you are wade fishing different parts of the island. You all catch a snook. You all keep a snook. You are all legal to keep that snook. Now... For transportation only, not for means of fishing, we go get in the boat and we drive back and they catch you with three snook. If you were legal then, yeah. are you illegal because you didn't swim back home? Uh, hey, I got to fit. Somebody's going to have to drive the boat back. We're going to, you, you and some, two of us have got to swim back. Yeah. That's crazy. Or you go, hey, look, take the boat, go drop off your snook, come back. Pick up uh, well, my son, take him back. And I then... got you a better one. If there's one per vessel limit, and I'm a captain, and I go out with the morning charter, and somebody keeps one, can I keep one in the afternoon? That boat already had its snook. For the day. For the day. 
Now, if I'm fishing overnight and it goes past midnight, can I have two? Is that another day? Is that another day? Starts all over again, buddy. Oh, let's get complicated. Did you see? What my, I'll tell you my solution when I come back. After the hour break. All right, here we go. Oh, wait. It's top of the hour. Crap. Hour two is right around the corner, you guys. Stay right there. We are the Big and Wild Outdoors, brought to you by Brandon Ford. Stay right here. We'll, we'll be back. <laughs> 